postpartum body odor. It is a totally natural phenomenon because your body chemistry changes after giving birth. And so sometimes that means that what worked before is no longer effective. But I am excited to say that now there is a solution for that stubborn odor. The Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant is a completely natural deodorant made by a postpartum mom who went through it herself. And it works by eliminating and preventing bacterial body odor without covering up your skin's comforting smell to your baby while giving you 12 hours of odor control. And let me tell you, it actually works. Here at the house, we've all been trying it and loving it. Now, before you think, ew, you're sharing a deodorant with your husband and daughter, let me explain that this full-body deodorant comes in a convenient pump applicator that lets you apply it anywhere on your body with no bacteria traveling on the deodorant, so no ew involved. We also love that the Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant has a delightful natural scent of USDA certified organic extracts that smell like a pink sugar cookie with lemon frosting. I thought this would be a little strange, but it's actually amazing. Also, the Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant is free from artificial fragrances and any kind of senoestrogens or herbs that can interfere with breastfeeding. Find your Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant at postpartumdeodorant.com. That's postpartumdeodorant.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off through the month of May. Get your Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant now at postpartumdeodorant.com and start smelling more like yourself again. I love Jenny Kane. At this very moment, I'm feeling so comfy and cozy as I'm practically getting a hug from my Jenny Kane crop cashmere cocoon cardigan. I am enjoying this sweater so much that I've been living in it all spring long. And with Mother's Day just around the corner, this is a feeling you can gift all the well-deserving moms, moms-to-be, and mother figures in your life by giving them the gift of Jenny Kane. Along with bringing you this episode, Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed so super easy. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. Jenny Kane means luxurious cashmere sweaters, iconic accessories, elevated versions of your everyday basics, plus the most incredible home essentials. For a limited time, Birthful listeners get 15% off their first order. Go to JennyKane.com and use the code BIRTHFUL15 to get 15% off and support the show. Jenny Kane is known for their quintessential sweaters, with their cotton collection providing you with the perfect everyday pieces as the days get warmer. But they also have gorgeous sundresses in a variety of silhouettes for any occasion and spectacular sandals to go along with them. Find the perfect Mother's Day gift or curate your new spring go-tos at JennyKane.com. Birthful listeners get 15% off your first order when you use the code BIRTHFUL15 at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E dot com, promo code BIRTHFUL15. Get yourself and the mothers in your life the gift of Jenny Kane. Hey, Adriana here. I wanted to let you know that starting this week, we'll be going back to our older format of one episode per week so that we can start easing into the summer and you can have more time catching up and going through our fabulous Birthful Library. Happy listening. Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today we'll be talking about showing up at your birth. Here's the thing. You can take all the classes, listen to all the podcasts, set up a dream birth team, but no amount of preparation will get the birthing done for you. So are you doing the inner work that will allow you to step up and own your birth? Shalom Stone is here to tell us more. Stay tuned. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, mighty parents and parents-to-be. As always, thank you so, so much for listening and for all the love you give the show. If what you hear is helpful, 
make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And while you're there, you know, feel free to leave a rating or a review. Okay, so for today's renewed episode is uh, we have rock star birth mentor Shalom Stone. And why is she a rock star birth mentor? Well, because Shalom wants to live in a world where women approach their birth with excitement, knowledge, and a sense of power. I, for one, can totally get behind those wishes. Shalom is also the founder and editor of the Rockstar Birth magazine. Okay, here we go. Shalom, welcome. Great to have you here today. Thank you so much, Adriana. It is an absolute pleasure to be here. Oh, I'm so happy we connected. And and so I just a, a clue for listeners, I think in that little brief introduction that you, you just said hello, they could detect an accent. You are doing this out of the graciousness of your heart. You're in Australia and you are, you've woken up at 6 a.m. to record with me. So I really appreciate it. My absolute pleasure. You're right. I have to say that there's every chance a toddler might wake up and find us. So if you hear some murmuring in the background, you will know why. Mm-hmm. And we uh, we love this maternity thing and birth thing. It involves kids. So totally, totally expected. So Shalom, you're constantly encouraging women to sort of step up and own their birth, however their journey unfolds, which is something that I'm equally passionate about. So I'm truly excited about us talking today about what that means and what it requires Let's start right at the beginning. What does it mean for a mama to own her birth? I think it's really important for women to take charge of their birth, to take responsibility for their birth, and to put themselves at the center of that birthing experience. It feels like for so long now women have been handing their power over to their care providers, almost turning up at hospital and saying, could you tell me what to do next? And of course, the hospital does and things unfold in a particular way. And what I find is that women who take charge, take ownership of their births, tend to have a much more positive outcome, however their journey unfolds. So they're much more likely to feel to feel positive about that experience, even if it wasn't exactly how they expected it to go, because they felt part of that experience, they felt involved in the decision making. And putting themselves in that center of that experience has that really powerful impact. Yeah, there's something really to be said for having a feeling that you did it as opposed to that it was that it was done to you. Absolutely. And so how, what are some ways in which mamas can prepare uh, so that they can take charge of their experience? I think the first thing is to remember that you are absolutely born to birth. This is something that I share with my members all of the time is that trusting that you've got everything you need already inside you. Again, we seem to have lost that connection with our wombs and our body's ability to birth. We seem to get caught up with what happens once the baby comes and you know we get so focused on which pram to buy and which car seat and all of these postpartum type purchases and when we think about birth many women are just so fearful of the experience that they just put their head in the sand like the ostrich and choose not to think about it at all and just assume that they'll get through it and then the prize at the end will be this baby and I love babies like I absolutely love babies but there are so many things that you can do so many small steps that you can take and decisions you can make which mean that the birth itself can be transformative for you can be so powerful for you as a as a woman and a mother and you still get this awesome baby at the end so that you're then starting your motherhood journey on a really strong foundation and so things like trusting in your amazing body having that self-belief and doing the work required to get to that space, understanding the physiology of birth. How exactly does it happen? What is it that your body is doing when it's contracting and surging? You know, and immersing yourself with positive birth stories so that you hear from other women how they have birthed are all great steps towards starting out on having a really powerful and positive birth experience. Some of the other things that I like to share, though, when you're thinking about, so that's a lot of doing the, the inner work, if you like, and getting into a 
really strong mindset and strong space of mindfulness is is one part of it. And then the other part is understanding how to birth in the location you've chosen. So really looking at your birth team and the location and how supportive they are of your birthing desires and how they're really going to back you to get there, as well as educating yourself about hospitals' policies and procedures and being in a position to make informed choices. I think it's really important that women understand that right throughout their birth, you always have choices. And sometimes the language that is used to birthing to pregnant women implies that there's not a choice. You know, there's a, we will be doing this and you will have a. But I think once women understand that all of those things require their consent and that doing the education and getting the understanding so that they can make an informed choice means that whatever they then choose to do and consent to, they feel much more empowered about that experience. So it's that balance between having the inner self-belief and trust in your ability to birth and then the outer ability to understand how to birth in the environment that you've chosen. And I find what the... You said a lot, and I'm like, yes, yes, this. <laughs> but um, one of the things that I usually tell my doula clients that is such a red flag is the language that your care providers may use with you. Is it, what do you think about this, or this is what we're going to do? And right there, you know, if you're getting red flags during prenatals that they're not quite respecting you or respecting your choices or or they're speaking down to you, it's not going to get any better during the birth. I completely agree. The, the sense of that intuition kicking in or your instinct and those red flags coming up, listen to that. You know, don't just assume that you're going to convince your care provider to get on board. The last thing you want is to be in labour and having to negotiate for your birthing desires, you want a birthing team that is backing you all the way. And a doula, as you mentioned, best friend in birth. I absolutely love doulas. I love private midwives. Even having a friend with you who has birthed before and is knowledgeable about birth and can back you along the way and, and remind you that you can do this and remind you about how to really birth with all of your power. Having a really clear look at your birth team and being really discerning about who's there, remembering that you are the client here. And so many women are deferential in birth, and we have almost, I think, a white coat syndrome when it comes to doctors, and we assume that they will know best and that they are the expert. And I just don't agree with that. I was about to swear then, but I thought, no, I'll hold myself you back. You can. <laughs> <laughs> it's just bullshit. You know, it's that sense that, that we don't know how to birth, so we need someone to tell us, bullshit. You know, you are the expert in your birth experience. You are the one that is going to bring your baby forth. And, yes, you may absolutely choose to do that with some medical intervention or with on the advice of your care provider, but you are the one choosing that and you are the expert that needs to be at the, you know, at the centre of that experience. And so things, as you say, like language, huge red flags and when I look at some of the questions that are suggested to women in forums and things like that to ask of their care providers so they can get a sense of how supportive they are and it's things like well you know what's the cesarean section rate for this hospital and they rattle off someone it means nothing relative to your birth you know you are a unique woman having a unique pregnancy with a unique baby even if you've birthed before any woman that's had more than one children will tell you that each pregnancy and birth and baby is different. And so really owning that and asking the questions that are really important to you. So when you think about your ideal birth preference or your ideal birth vision, ask questions that are pertinent to that. Ask what's your rate how, or how many natural, no interventions, completely unassisted births have you attended as the obstetrician, for example, if that's the birth ideal that you're looking for. If you want to go to hospital and be in that environment but yet have no interventions, then ask the questions about that. Understand the policies. Look for the places that you can negotiate and compromise or just say no to so that you can get along that path. And I always say to women, 
they can always choose to change their care provider. You can always add someone else to your team and you can absolutely let someone go. And so often we think that because we've made a decision, we have to see it through. It's a little bit like reading a book and halfway through you might think, this is crap, this is so bad, but I have to see it through because I've started. No, you don't. I've heard of women who have changed their care provider in labour because they've turned up to hospital and not received the, the love and support that they need to really birth in all of their power. And they've literally left the hospital and gone somewhere else. Wow. And that does go back to that, you know, showing up at your birth of that change of mindset of truly believing that your body can do this. And that that requires a lot to, you know, because we're constantly bombarded with it, what's in our subconscious and cultural beliefs and what the media tells us that is not necessarily supportive of that. And, you know, when they come out and they bring forth the the, the scare tactics of, well, are you going to harm your baby? Then it's really hard to sort of say, oh my gosh, am I? Like, <laughs> or no, I'm going to walk out because this is my birth and I know what's going into my side, my body. It's tough. It really is. And that's why I said earlier, you don't want to be having that conversation when you're in labor. I really feel like you can use your pregnancy almost like a project that you can use the period of time between when you find out you're pregnant to when you actually get into your birthing moment. Use it wisely. Use it to decide what it is that you want to have. Use it to put the energy towards creating that mindset that is going to support you in birth. And understanding, for example, I'm a big fan of understanding the physiology of birth. So when I went to my first birth experience, I did exactly what I explained a moment ago, where I just turned up. And I trusted that my body knew how to birth. I mean, I'm a woman. I've got all the parts. You know, human beings wouldn't be on the earth if women didn't know how to birth. So I trusted in that sense, but I had no idea about actually how it would unfold. And therefore, I had no idea about how the environment around me, how the care I was given, how I was spoken to, how the, the physical environment would impact on that. So when we think about the physiology of birth and the physiology particularly of an undisturbed birth, so how a birth would just naturally unfold. And I love the work of Dr. Sarah Buckley in this area. And she talks about having a safe, private and unobserved birth. And when we think about, you know, when you're a child and your cat or your dog has kittens and puppies, they don't come out in the middle of the kitchen and splay across the floor whilst you're all having dinner and stepping over them. They find the darkest, most secret place in the house, right at the back of the cupboard or in the back of the shed where they can't be touched, where, they, where it's dimly lit or dark, where it's quiet and private. And we need exactly the same conditions. And so I encourage women, for example, to labor at home for as long as possible because there's much more likely to be progress there because it's familiar. You're in you're in a safe space. It's private. There's no prying eyes. Yet many women, when they then transition to hospital, underestimate the impact that the bright lights, the sterile room, the strange midwife that they've never met before wanting to do an internal examination. And so understanding as much as you can about how to make that transition, how to continue to stay in your zone once you're in hospital. And this is absolutely where your birth team comes into play. And I think so many men and or women who are our lovers and our support partners really do their best to be there for us. But I encourage them to have a really great understanding of birth too so that they have the tips and tricks to help you stay in that birthing zone. But again, having a professional birth attendant there, a doula or a private midwife to really, really reinforce both that mindset in terms of the work you've done so far, but also be that buffer between you and the medical system. So be that almost like I talk about having a birth bouncer, right? You want to have birth bouncers at your birth who sort of protect you a little bit and, and enable you to stay deep in your zone. And you also want to have birth cheerleaders at your birth. And they can be the same people, but the people who are there encouraging you on and whispering in your ear and there to hold you physically and emotionally so that you can birth. And I really think the more that you can learn and understand about that, the more you are far more likely to be able to make the actions to 
really encourage your baby to come earthside with that sort of environment around you. So understanding what you can do to your environment in the hospital by recreating a birth cave, if you like, similar to what you had at home. Mm. And it is so important. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back talking with Shalom Stone. You mentioned that you, for your first birth, you just showed up at the hospital and trusting everything was going to be fine. And then I know you've had other births and that they've been quite different. Can you briefly tell us how you, what, you know, what, what made, what you did differently for the others and what, or maybe what was the outcome of the first, if you feel you want to share that? Oh, sure. I can talk about birth all day and all night. <laughs> happy, happy to share anything. So my first, my real first birth experience was when I was the support person for my best friend who unexpectedly found herself pregnant. She was the first one in our group in our late 20s and she asked me to be her birth support partner. She was single and I was so excited. I said, yes, oh, I was thrilled that I would be part of this. And we went to the standard hospital antenatal classes so I knew how to time a contraction and we knew when to go to hospital, but that was it. And her birth became one of those classic full cascade of interventions and I remember standing on the sidelines whilst we went from waters breaking, gel inserted, syntocin or pitocin as you say in the US, epidural to an unscheduled caesarean. And I was like this complete muppet really on the sidelines. I bought nothing. I had nothing in my kit bag. I had no idea how to support her really. You know, I just, we, we collectively had no idea about birth. And so soon after when I got pregnant and I had decided that I wanted to have a drug-free vaginal birth, I booked into our local birth center where they don't offer drugs. And that accompanied with my trust in my body's ability to birth was the full extent of my birth. So I felt, well, I can protect myself from the risk of that heavy intervention birth by birthing in the birth center. And that was my plan. I thought, well, that's it. I can't possibly have intervention because they don't offer it. I accept that my birth, my beautiful baby chose to stay in longer than anticipated. And I got to 42 weeks and was basically booted out of the birth center straight into the hospital next door where I'd never been. I suddenly was in an environment where I hadn't done a tour. I'd never seen a suite. I hadn't connected with any of the midwives and my vaginal drug-free birth went completely out of the window. I went through a similar cascade of events and after laboring for several hours with Pitocin and an epidural, the obstetrician on duty came in and said I wasn't progressing fast enough and sure enough I'm in the stirrups and they're unwrapping the episiotomy scissors and I was fortunate enough to birth my baby vaginally but within minutes I remember her being on my chest and I went through that incredible high of oxytocin with that rush of, oh, my gosh, she's here and she's amazing and she's awesome. But it was quickly followed by, how on earth did I end up here? What am I doing in stirrups? This was not my plan. Where did I go left in the road when I should have gone right? How did I lose control so heavily of my birth journey? What happened here? And those questions really stayed with me once I went through my postpartum period and home. And it was a few years before I became pregnant again. But during that time, I was picking up on what was happening for my friends as they all went through their birthing moments. And I started listening to birth. I started being open to and aware of birth. And when I became pregnant the second time, I remember going to the hospital, the local hospital, about 20 weeks and seeing this, the standard midwife. And I said to her, I want to come here as late as possible, have my baby, and then leave as soon as possible. And as soon as I said that, I thought, ah, what am I doing here? Why am I coming to this place that just does not feel right? I really, as we mentioned earlier, was able to tap into that instinct. I think we're so intuitive in pregnancy. And all of the flags were up for me. It just was not the right environment. I felt like I was in a place for sick people. And so I had my five-year-old with me, my first baby with me at the time. And as we left that hospital, she said, oh, Mom, is that where you're going to have your baby? And I remember thinking, I don't think so, honey. And it was then that I made the decision to birth at home, which was not an option I even knew was possible with my first birth. And I contacted my chiropractor who had 
planted the seed when he had birthed his babes at home and found out about what's involved. I contacted a fabulous private midwifery team and from then for the next 20 weeks I just deep dived into immersing myself in planning to birth at home and in my experience women who birth at home are amongst the most informed and educated women about birth because you don't birth at home on a whim right there is a stigma in many parts of the world that home birth is for hippies or for women who are selfish or crazily brave but it's none of those things in my experience it's it's just the place that it feels right to that woman and we need to respect those choices and offer women the options for where they choose to birth so birthing at home felt great for me and so I did the work and this is where I really had to do that mind mindfulness and mindset work and so I was writing to the affirmations and the visualizations and the mantras and I was writing to the private childbirth education for me and my man to understand what's involved in that and I was also writing to literally stalking women who'd had positive birth experiences whether they were in hospital or at birth to say what did you do what was it what was it you brought to your birth to have that positive experience and that really gave me an understanding that it wasn't about a positive birth experience isn't about your birth going exactly to plan it's about how you feel about your journey however it unfolds and I really got a sense of that because these women would talk about birth in really strong and powerful feminine words and they weren't always describing though their birth that went exactly to plan but they were always able to speak about it with really empowering and inspiring words and that really resonated for me because it made me feel much safer in my birth that it wasn't about it absolutely going to plan it was just me feeling great about it however it unfolded and so I was comfortable if I had to have a hospital transfer. I was comfortable if I had to ultimately have an emergency cesarean. I worked through all those scenarios. I sat with them. I understood what was involved. I understood how I could make them more positive and powerful should they unfold. So I felt quite centered and I felt really, I want to say in control of my birth, but control doesn't feel like the right word because there's so much fluidity to birth and I'm sure we'll talk about that some more. But that birth experience absolutely rocked my world, Adriana. It was the most breathtaking, feminine, voluptuous, sensual, incredible, powerful experience of my life. I roared that baby down with the support of my man and our incredible midwifery team. And I have never felt so womanly and so incredible in all of my life. And from that moment, I was addicted to that birth. <laughs> I was like this birth high junkie. I, My baby, awesome, total little rock star. But that birth, oh, I was just gushing. I couldn't stop talking about it. And sure enough, 12 months later, not entirely planned, but we did it again with the same team and the same home. And we brought another baby into the world at home, a different experience, a fast experience with which came intensity and moments of whoa what's happening here but again a really powerful experience and what I found was that all of the work that I'd done in those pregnancies all of the research and the meditating and the reading of positive birth stories I never actually knew what I was going to call on in birth so I never knew exactly which tip or trick I'd be pulling out of my tool bag but I pulled out a whole bunch at the time when I needed them. And that's why I encourage women to immerse yourself in a whole range of positive stories. Speak to women that have had positive cesarean births. Speak to women that have had positive epidural births because if you don't know exactly how your birth's going to unfold, hearing those women talk about their births, you almost go into a, it's almost a fantasy state and you imagine yourself in their place. You can picture yourself in that experience and almost feel that vibration that they're sharing. And so in that third birth experience, it was two and a half hours from the first contraction to having our baby in our arms. And many people say, oh, you lucky thing, just two and a half hours. Oh, no, that's quick. (laughs) Right, and I I get that. So there's a quickness to it, but the intensity comes with that. Yeah. And 
there was a moment in that birth where it was really starting to teeter. Like I, I was really starting to feel overwhelmed and I couldn't speak. I was so far into the path and I just remember thinking to myself, I was like, okay, Shalom, you have a choice now. You can either choose to go down the path of pain and it's going to really crank it or you can dig deeper and really get into this birth even more, like unpack more layers, dive deeper. And I chose that path and almost immediately I remembered a story that I had read during pregnancy where someone described calling on the energy of all of the women who had birthed before you, using that womb energy from those generations of women. And straight away I was in that space going, okay, ladies, come, come. I need you close. Everybody gather around. And this was all in my head, obviously. And I just had this incredibly powerful visual where I felt like it was like it was dark at night and I was standing outside by a fire and around me there was a giant circle of women and I didn't recognize any of their faces and they weren't smiling or they weren't angry or sad, but it was like they were looking at me with an intensity and they were beaming womb energy at me and they went on for, there was rows and rows of them, like there was this depth to this circle and I just remember, oh gosh, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. But I've had the most powerful shift. I just suddenly had this ability to continue with these surges that were so intense and really bring in all of those, all of that insight and all of those experiences of those women who'd birthed before me and that were powerful and strong and positive and capable. And I just again, I just roared that baby down quickly. Mm. <laughs> and it was just so, such a shifting experience. Like I know it sounds completely on the woo scale and I know some people might be listening to this going, uh-huh, another hippie lala. But it wasn't like that for me. It would just, I just remember thinking I'm going to have to call, I just have to call in whatever it takes right now. And that was what immediately came to mind. So really getting a range of understanding about what birth can be like because as you said at the outset we are sadly so surrounded by either women's traumatic experiences of birth which they then share with other women whether they're pregnant or may one day be pregnant because they need to process them and they need to unpack them and they need to heal and we don't have often a space in society for women that have had a, a less than positive birth experience so sometimes we hear those and we've also got that really shoddy Hollywood-esque view of the world, which is that, you know, that your waters break and they fire across the room and straight away you're in transition and everything's a screaming, chaotic, dramatic mess. And birth doesn't have to be that way. And no, so I'm, no, and actually every, birth tends to be quite boring most of the time. <laughs> you know, so like it's just, you know, you're there doing the work and it, so, but they can't show that on the screen because it's not interesting. They have to make it dramatic and, and add that to the service to moms. But I like I have so my daughter is 11 and I have a real appreciation now with all I know about not dismissing the woo woo part of birth because you know what? It is. It's like your whole being at all levels and all bodies are transforming. And if you don't let that part in, then you're, first of all, said, you know, missing a great opportunity to discover a whole part of you that you never knew was there. But also, it's going to make labor harder. And I wanted, because that's how my labor was. So I want to talk a little bit about that when we, I have, we have to take a break. So when we come back, I want to share a, a bit of why you need to show up for your birth and, and preparing and reading all the classes and doing all the outside work is not quite enough. You've got to go into those woo-woo spaces a little bit. So we'll be right back. With Mother's Day coming up fast, are you looking to get your mom, grandma, or mother figure a gift that they'll actually love? You know, something that is treasured instead of dying out or collecting dust? If so, you need to know about mylifeinabook.com, which is a service that helps turn their life stories into a beautiful book that can be passed down. How amazing is that? 
And the process couldn't be easier. Basically, if they can use email, they can create their book. Every week, My Life in a Book will send them an email with a prompt question to get them started. And if they don't like the question, they can easily edit it or change it. We gave a My Life in a Book to a family member that always wants to document all family get-togethers through images. And let me tell you, the process of sending the gift was super simple, even letting us choose the date we wanted the gift to be sent. I'm so looking forward to discovering stories about her youth, her adventures, and the challenges she has overcome. And since My Life in a Book lets you add an image with each answer, she can now share the story that goes along with her many photos. Another great thing is that the answers can be edited at any time before the book is printed in case she wants to add anything else. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use the code BIRTHFUL at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 10% off today. Today's episode is sponsored by Acorns, and sometimes I find that investing gets put off because it doesn't seem urgent or because with our busy lives, we may not have the time to research and manage said investments, which is why I so appreciate that Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing for your future and that you don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started with just your spare change. So for example, I take advantage of Acorn's roundup feature where they round up the purchase amounts I make in my linked account to the nearest dollar, and then they automatically transfer that to my invest account portfolio. Also, Acorns can recommend an expert-built portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invests your money for you. For me, that's easy peasy investing. Head to acorns.com slash birthful or download the Acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today. Client testimonial may not be representative of all clients. Tier 1 compensation provided. Compensation provides an incentive to positively promote Acorns. View important disclosures at acorns.com slash birthful. Investing involves risk, including loss of principal. Please consider your objectives, risk tolerance, and Acorns fees before investing. Acorns Advisors LLC Acorns is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are provided to clients of Acorns by Acorn Securities LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. For more information, visit acorns.com. And we are back. This is Birthful, and I'm speaking to Shalom Stone about showing up for your birth. And just before the break, I was talking. So here's my story, Shalom. I did all the things. I never knew anything about birth, and but was very much of a type A, you know, very together, very control everything, and with a journalistic background. So when I found out I was pregnant, I dwelled or jumped right into all the things and read all the books and took the classes and had Bradley. And one thing we didn't do, which both my husband and I deeply regret, and we say we were stupid for not doing this, is we didn't have a doula. But what we did do was the Bradley classes, and I had a midwife was giving birth in a hospital. So I did have my support team to an extent, and I had an environment. You know, I had, like you said, I had some bouncers and I had some cheerleaders. Um, not necessarily the best, but definitely, definitely good enough so that... I was being respected in my choices and didn't have, you know, this language of this is what we're going to do to you. So that was great. What I didn't kind of integrate during my pregnancy was that by doing all the classes and knowing the physiology and, you know, having a midwife to assist me and all of this, I hadn't quite gotten to the point of clicking that you birth with your body, not with your brain. And so therefore, I needed to really embrace this intense situation that all the classes and all that knowledge and having the right people in place weren't going to, you know, do that for me. And so that was that was a realization that I came to afterwards of, huh, because even though I had a vaginal non-medicated birth with the midwife at hospital and pretty much like my birth plan was uh, it happened according to what was on the plan 
I still felt, felt kind of lost and miserable and not quite sure of what, you know, I wasn't allowing myself to go where it birth needed to take me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. It's so interesting, isn't it? Because it sounds like you did so much preparation and you did take charge of your birth and back yourself with your team and your education. But as you say, so much of that is still headspace. And I love the quote you just shared about the fact that you can't birth your baby with your brain, right? So arming yourself with all of the statistics and the knowledge and the understanding is fabulous, but it's just one part of that birth experience. And its I always like to think about if you imagine all of that swirling around in your brain, yet your baby is ultimately going to come out of your womb, how do you connect those two parts of your body? How do you pull that together so that you've got that full embodiment and you're bringing everything to your birth because birth is such a sacred spiritual event you know and that's we talk so much about people will say well having my baby was the best day of my life because holding that baby in your arms and becoming a family and really expanding in that way is such an incredible moment and it is it absolutely is but for a woman who's just been through birth it's it's a it's a rite of passage, and I don't mean that just in an endurance sense, although the endurance brings absolute layers to that passage, but I mean that it's a sacred spiritual transition, and we really need to honour that and respect that and understand what the woman can bring to birth to to help with that transition, to help with that rite of passage. And I think that is absolutely where the woo comes in. And it's funny talking about it because you know, I've got 17 years of corporate IT before I had my home birth. So I was not on the woo scale particularly. Yet I soon realized from my first birth experience that simply having the medical technology and being pumped with all of the labor-inducing drugs did not necessarily make for a great experience. It made for a healthy baby at the end. But I'm also a big fan of healthy mothers. And I think really looking at what mothers need to get them through birth and to support them in birth and to be support them to bring all parts of themselves to birth is really important. And I mentioned earlier about, you know, I have that sort of project management-based mind. So for me, I looked at my pregnancy as an opportunity to plan towards my birth and really used it as a chance to look at all the flags that came up for me. So what I mean by that is if I was having a conversation with someone or I read something and I felt a charge, you know how you get a physical reaction when something doesn't sit right? And I know for some people it might be you might clench your jaw or clench your fist or get a flush up your neck. And for me, my stomach tightens. If I'm having a conversation with someone or, you know, that doesn't, something's not quite right, the energy's wrong or it's going in the wrong direction, my stomach immediately kind of clenches like, and I realized that whenever I was, reading something about birth or in a conversation with my care providers or even with my man, if I got that stomach clenching, all too often in the past I would have just squashed it down and ignored it because I didn't want to, you know, we're brought up to be the nice girl or to be differential or not to be aggressive. And I really had to learn the balance between being aggressive and being assertive. And that comes back to that taking charge of birth. So whenever I felt that either the red flag come up through language or that clenching in my body, it was an opportunity for me. It was an invitation for me to actually pause and take a breath and go, okay, hang on, what is this? What is this that's coming out? And, and really shine a light on this part of me that it, I clearly needed to address. And often it wasn't about the other person or what they were saying. It was something that was causing a charge in me. And so I used to use that as a chance to sit with it and unpack it and really look at it from different angles until it ultimately dissipated. So for example, if it was a fear, if a fear came up and I mentioned earlier that I, I ultimately felt comfortable about birthing at home yet possibly needing a transfer or ultimately needing a cesarean birth, but I only got to that space because I really sat with that and I really worked through that and really looked at it and thought, well, what would that look like? What would that entail? How could I still feel comfortable about that? What parts would I need to surrender and let go? And how can I get to a space where I feel okay about that? 
So I really spent a lot of time investing in my birth in a non-financial sense, but really investing in the emotional energy and the perspective that I was willing to bring to birth. And the more that you're able to do that, the more likely you are to have a positive experience because there is absolutely an element, I think, of doing the work for birth. And again, words like work and control don't really feel empowering. They feel like it's an extra chore you have to do. And often when you're pregnant, you're already busy working and or looking after toddlers and or being a wife. And sometimes your pregnancy can get pushed to the back apart from when you get the aches and pains that it brings. But I would really encourage women to take your pregnancy as the opportunity. You are at your more raw and most raw and vulnerable, but also with that comes your most intuitive and in tune and connected. And so using that to really step through your pregnancy and your impending birthing moment and shine a light on all the shadows. Because if you don't, what I find is that they will come up in your labor. They will come up and stall or they will come up and your fears will rise. And so, you know, ultimately embracing your fears, facing and embracing them so that you are able to be in your flow much more is, is really powerful because there's a real element of surrender to birth. So we can do all of the work, but ultimately in that last month, I particularly encourage women to let go and release their birthing plan. Some women I know actually burn their birthing plans or go through a ceremony of letting them go. They're still invested in their birth and they still that would still be their ideal, but they're also open to birth they're aware that birth does unfold in its own unique magical way that your baby will have a say in how they're choosing to come earth side that this is the beginning of their journey as a human and so there's an element i think of surrender and letting go which is very different to handing over your power this is not about just handing everything over to your care providers but it's also quite a releasing liberating experience so that you can say to yourself, you know, I've done everything I can now. It's time for me to just go with the journey and get on board and ride this through. And you'll still find that you bring everything to it that you have invested in and you'll bring all of those stories and you'll be able to draw on all of those experiences that you listened into or that you understood from a statistical experience. You'll bring all of that to your birth. But it feels, felt for me at least, that in that surrender was when I was able to bring all aspects of myself together and therefore birth with my whole being because I wasn't holding on tightly to the birth plan or holding on tightly to that statistic I'd heard or holding on tightly to that story I'd read. I was effectively able to release it all and just get into that full body birth experiences, which is exactly what it takes to birth a baby. It takes everything. You know, I sometimes talk about with women, the similarities between birth and orgasm. And now stay with me here because I know that for many of us that can feel like a stretch. But when I spoke earlier about the environment of birth, having a private, safe, undisturbed environment, there are many esteemed birthing gurus who've come before me who talk about the fact that the way that you bring your baby into the world, so the environment that we make love in is often like that it's intimate it's close it's you and your partner in a dimly lit space there's a lot of love and connection and oxytocin flowing and you feel safe and for a woman in that space at least in my experience to orgasm I have to be fully in my body I can't be in my brain I'm not thinking about oh I've got to pick the kids up at three o'clock or what's for dinner tonight or I must remember to iron that shirt there is none of that going on right I am fully, fully in my body. And it's a similar experience to birth. And I don't necessarily mean to have an orgasmic birth, but I mean to to birth. You can't be thinking about things. You can't be answering questions or trying to recall facts. And so when we talked earlier about having a doula and having that birth bouncer or someone to hold that space, it can often be that buffer when your care providers are seeking to ask questions and bring you out of your birthing state and back up into your brain is the last thing you need when you're birthing your baby. You really often almost need silence. And many women in between contractions will be able to speak or joke or hold conversations, but the closer they get to their birthing moment, 
the less likely that is to happen because they need to be fully birthing with their whole body, just like you would be having an orgasm with your whole body. And so getting out of your brain, surrendering and letting go and really connecting down into your womb and birthing with your whole body is the best way to be able to bring your baby earthside. Mm -hmm. And that surrendering to your birth is not so much, like you said, of letting go of control, but it is surrendering almost to your body, to getting, you know, get yourself out of the way so that your body can do the thing it knows how to do. And if anything, the preparation that you do before with your brain should be, yeah, about embracing your fears and facing what that is and, and, figuring out going deeper into well why do I really not want to have any interventions or why wouldn't I have that and if and and if they do happen how can I get to a place to being comfortable with it goes back to having that good experience and being able to go you know what I've put in the work I can just let go and let my body do it because birth can be so unpredictable. You know, I appreciate the shift from focus from yeah, focus to outcome to the journey itself. And when we spoke earlier, I said I've been on, a, on this sun kick like lately of trying to do stuff without attachment to outcome and it resonates so much with birth because you know, I I have the stories of moms who were so focus on the outcome and of having the birth just like they wanted it in their birth plan and when things shift and you know go unexpected just like for example the birth story that you were sharing that you got to 42 weeks and then so no longer the option of uh, going to the birth uh, center was no longer an option but you had to go to the hospital that you know that's common or your water breaks and you don't go into labor birth happens in that way and being able to go with the flow will guarantee you more of a a good birth experience instead of then having to be so focused on the outcome that you are struggling after the birth and and I see these these mamas and it breaks my heart when I see you know really strong amazing women and courageous women struggling with their experience because it wasn't what they wanted it to be because they were set on a specific outcome instead of showing up for whatever birth required of them and having that sensation like you did of your two and a half hour birth when it could have been go down the path of pain or the path of the distrust and surrender again and you called in all these the image of all the birthing women that had come before you and you were able to come out of that experience with that transformation and and self-power instead of thinking well this didn't go like I wanted and I failed absolutely and there's two things that you've just really triggered and reminded me of today so the first thing is that when I work with women in my rock your birth program the first thing I ask them to do is to choose three words to describe how they would like their birth to feel right so this is how you want it to feel not what you want it to look like as in you want it to be drug free or in water but how do you want to feel in that birthing moment and I provide them with this big list of you know inspiring empowering words and they can choose anything they like and women often choose peaceful, excited, woman-centered, you know, soul-shaking, like there's this whole variety of things. And then we go through the program and it's really interesting to see how women then refer back to them after they've had their birth. So I had a mama recently, a total rock star, who really wanted to, was working towards a vaginal drug-free birth and ultimately, for reasons that unfolded during her labour, ended up having an unscheduled cesarean birth. And it was so interesting when she shared her story with us because she said, you know, this is how it happened and first baby and long labour and X, Y and Z occurred and she had a doula and a private obstetrician and she said, and you know how I feel about this? The three words that I had at the beginning and I think it was, calm, peaceful, and excited. And I loved that she could talk about an unscheduled caesarean in those terms because she had done the work and then she had surrendered. And her birth had flowed how it had flowed with all of the professional advice and love and support from her care team. She felt able to make those informed choices so that when she said, yes, 
I agree, let's go for the cesarean birth. She was doing that with her full body. She was still birthing with her full body. It wasn't a place of fear. It wasn't a place of coercion or bullying or just bad timing. It was the right birth experience for her on the day. And she was able to look at it and share it so positively. And she now talks about her birth experience with other women and it's really in that positive sense. And I love that. So having that ability to surrender and let go but still be able to feel about your birth in a particular way is such a powerful foundation for you to move into that motherhood journey and the other thing I just wanted to share was the other day I I put a quote up that went quite crazy on the internet where I said going with the flow is not a birth plan oh baby it was so interesting to see how women responded to that and in the Subtext to the note, what I was talking about was saying that getting pregnant and then making the decision, almost like I did with my first birth, to not have the education or the insights or the understanding, to just turn up to the hospital and say, you tell me what to do. That was my explanation. That was how I was trying to describe going with the flow, which what I meant by that was just turning up and seeing what happens, just winging it basically. Because ultimately for many women, not all, but many women when they do that, when they do just turn up, is that you do go with the flow, but it tends to be the flow of the hospital's policies. It tends to be the flow of their timing and their cascade of interventions. And what I found with the women who responded, and I love when we get quite a juicy debate going around birth, all from a healthy, strong perspective, is that for some women, you know, sort of a percentage of the women felt it really in agreement with that statement that it is important to do the work and you are far more likely to have a better experience if you do have a, if not a plan, then at least a preference or a vision and back yourself to make that occur or at least move towards that. But there was also a real percentage of women who felt that going with the flow was exactly what you needed to do. Yet when I digged a little deeper with them, it was just what you described a moment ago. And that is that going with the flow from like month eight or nine of your pregnancy. So that surrender and release and then go with the flow is really different to getting pregnant and going with your hospital's flow. Can you, you know what I mean? Like it was a really different outcome for people, but it was interesting how the wording set people on fire, you know, really mm-hmm. lit them up into, they got so passionate about it. And I loved it because they were, they were backing themselves in their language. Mm-hmm. You know, they were, they were really powerful in what they were feeling. And so it was a, it was a really healthy discussion in that sense. So I often use the words going with the flow because I love that sense. I love that feeling that as a woman, we can trust in our bodies and go with that flow of birth because birth does flow. But I think it's important to make that distinction that when I'm, when I'm using those words, I'm, I'm describing them the way you just did that. It's about letting go and then going with that flow and being fully in that journey and getting, not being attached to that outcome anymore. As you said earlier, you know, it's, it's letting go of that attachment and fully flowing and your birth will flow and the more that you can be part of it and in it the better but as I said just winging it winging birth from the outset is not something I would recommend but then you know if that's what feels good to women I always say do what feels good to you so it's working through that and working out what your birth journey how you want it to look and feel how you want it to feel I love those the the idea of asking moms to find three words to see how they want to they want that birth to feel. I'm gonna I'm gonna incorporate that all into my work and, and, and with my doula clients and will to give proper credit to you. Um, but yeah, because I mean, the, and what you were saying about going with the flow, and I did see that uh, image go viral. I saw it. It, it, it did come through my feed. <laughs> it is. If we had a system that was supportive of the innate flow of birth, then it would be a no-brainer. But we don't. Yeah. So it's two different flows that are at head-to-head, unfortunately, here. And then, so you like you said at the beginning, you have got to prepare your environment and your bouncers and your cheerleaders and 
make sure that fits with your wishes. And for some moms, the hospital is the only place they feel safe. So that's the place where they, they need to birth. Absolutely. It's not about whatever choice you go one way or another, but to ensure that it's your choice and not somebody else's. Absolutely. And to be clear, I'm not advocating for every woman to birth at home at all. I know that that's not the right thing for every woman. I just think that understanding, I think you should birth where you feel great, but not be birthing somewhere necessary from a place of fear. And that's what I find a lot of women choose the hospital because they're scared that something might go wrong. And again, as I said earlier, that's an opportunity to investigate that and find out, well, what does that mean for you? And unpack that a little so that when you are birthing in the hospital, which is a great place for lots of people, that you're placing, you're choosing to birth there because it feels like the right place for you for all of the right reasons and that you're coming into it with a real sense of empowerment Mm-hmm. And so you can show up for that, for your birth, whatever that might look like. Yeah. Because I do know that you speak also a lot about, and I this might be a different show for a different day, but about the positive cesarean birth. And you were mentioning um, an experience recently, and I had one similar too. It was a home birth that ended up in a cesarean. And this mama, she danced the whole way through and she smiled the whole way through and felt supported. And when she was in the OR, she had her music playing and asked to, you know, had different things that she asked for, including a clear drape, because she had learned about the op. She, she didn't completely block that out. She also considered, well, what if that happens? How can I make it an experience that I will be happy with? So when it got to that place, she asked for a clear drape and she asked for her music and she asked that, you know, the dad do skin to skin immediately if she wasn't unable to. And these things happen. So to her, like you were saying before, she had a great birth experience and is happy about all the things that happened and it was a lot of days. So it, it, you know, it ended up there for a reason, but she wasn't, she's, she's happy about it and feels wonderful about how powerful she was at every step of the way. They both do because the, his, her partner was so supportive throughout the whole, you know, was in it was just as much a part of it as she was. I love that. Like birth stories like that totally light me up. What a fabulous experience for her. Yeah, 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 and and it and that's when you're like. And it's amazing because so many women will be so fearful at the thought of having, you know, wanting a vaginal birth and having a cesarean that they won't look at it. Mm-hmm. They won't even look at cesarean because it feels like, well, if I turn my attention to it, I might create it, you know, from that that sort of manifesting perspective. But I encourage all of my clients to absolutely. I ask the question: So, what would a cesarean birth look like for you? How would that feel? How do we get those those words that you described into a cesarean birth? Because with 30 to 40% of women having a cesarean birth, higher in some countries, you need to be aware of it. You know, you, you don't want to just assume you'll be one of the 50 to 60% that doesn't get it. And, and so being open to the fact that should it occur, it can be a really positive, powerful experience. And there are things that you can absolutely do to make it intimate and unique as you just described with clear drapes and a delayed cord clamping and immediate skin to skin can be an absolutely beautiful experience again though I think it it takes a bit of effort for that to occur you know you it's not a guarantee that those types of things will happen as a cesarean birth so putting the focus to it even briefly and having the conversation with your care provider or having it in your birth vision just so you've you've just thought about it enough so that should it occur you know what it will look like and you know what you would be requesting how you would be requesting for it to unfold can often make that fear go away or at least be greatly reduced Mm -hmm. and I have a very superstitious sailor as a husband and he says if you have a spare you won't need it so it's the other the other flip side of that of that perspective of you're not manifesting it if you actually have a plan for it then it won't happen that's so interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Shalom. If listeners want to follow more of what you're doing or listen to your, your fantastic podcast or just connect with you, how can they do that? 
the best place to find me is at rockstarbirthmagazine.com. So that's where I have I have a 12-issue magazine that is dedicated for each month of pregnancy and the first few months postpartum. So for all of the women out there who are either trying to conceive or already pregnant, I've got over 150 contributors that have that I've pulled together all of their birthing wisdom and an abundance of birth stories in each issue of that. So absolutely come along and check that out. I also have the Rockstar Birth Radio podcast on iTunes and I'm thinking I need to get you on the show. I'm thinking we need to do a flip side here so that I can interview you about your incredible both personal and professional birth experiences. So check out Rockstar Birth Radio plus my online interactive Rock Your Birth program, which is a four-week program available to mothers all over the world. So that's really bringing together all of the things that we've talked about today in terms of you know, trusting in your amazing body and taking charge of your birth and birthing with your whole being. So if anybody's interested in that, you'll find links to all of those things at rockstarbirthmagazine.com. And I'm also on Facebook, Rockstar Birth Magazine and Instagram at Rockstar Birth Mag. Thank you so, so much for being on the show today. I loved it. It has been my pleasure. It's, as I say, early morning here and I am starting my day with an absolute fire in my belly. It's so exciting to chat with you and to share all this great information with all the amazing, amazing pregnant women in the world. I'm so excited on their behalf already. Get out there and rock your birth, ladies. You can do it. Mighty Ones, find the in-depth show notes for this episode at birthful.com, where you can also learn more about me, the show, send me messages and more. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you, the title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriskie. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to a mighty parent as they share their amazing story here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, mighty one. Did you know that if you started listening to one birthful episode per day at the start of your pregnancy, your baby would be about three months old before you got through all of them? That is so much birthful. So to ease us into the summer and to help you catch up on your listening, we're going back to releasing one episode per week instead of two. Now you know.